Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today I'm going to cover Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, a memoir by the creator of Nike. This is book 51 of 52 for my 2022 reading list. Well, this book is a story about the founding of Nike, with chapters broken down by year of the of the life of Phil Knight. And if you're like me, you're familiar with the brand. You're familiar with Nike, this global behemoth of a of a sports company. Uh, but you're probably not as familiar with the story on how the company got there, and the struggle that it that it was to get there, uh, the number of close calls, the times that it came down to a single person's decision on whether the company made it another day or not. And that was just a, a really incredible thing to see throughout throughout this book. I, I, I was familiar with, with it being a successful company, but to see how long it struggled and, and how much it struggled for, for a while just to, to get going was really interesting. And, and there was this one part where, where Phil's talking about a meeting where he just looks at, at, at the guy who is going to fund them for, for a little while longer. And he makes this statement uh, that they, they look at each other and there's a knowing glance. And, and here's the statement Phil makes. In that brief wordless exchange, count Countless fates and futures were decided. End quote. I remember obsessively drawing the Nike logo in middle school. Uh, Nike Airs were, were the, the big thing, uh, especially Air Jordans. And that's what the cool kids had, and that's what, what you wanted to have. Uh, I remember the, the iconic photos of, of Jordan uh, dunking and, and the Nike ads around that. And it was just, it, you know, it. it it's weird to think about, but it, uh, that a brand could be such a big part of, of growing up. But, but Nike was that in, in many ways uh, for me. And, and also just when I started running, I, I wore Nikes for, for many years. And, and now I, I wear a different shoe when, when running. But, but for many years, I wore Nike Airs when I was, when I was running. Uh, the title of the book, it comes from, well, it, it's Shoe Dog. And it comes from a term that, that means this, uh, people who devoted themselves wholly to the making, selling, buying, or designing of shoes. So that's what a shoe dog is. And it was ghostwritten by J.R. Mo Ringer. And he also ghost wrote the book Open by Andre Agassi. I read that for this this. Uh, reading project as well. I read that the first year of this reading project in 2017, and really enjoyed that book as well. And so you know, if if the book is is has anything to do with J. R. Moringer, it's it's going to be a good one. Uh, and and I so I don't know how much of it was written by Moringer and how much of it was written by Phil Knight. I mean, by all appearances on the book itself, it just. You don't see Mo Ringer's book until the, the the very end credits. It's not like his name is on the front. So Phil Knight is getting the credit. It says it's a memoir by him. Uh, so I don't know the division of, of labor there, but um, but I, I do know the two books that I've read where Mo Ringer has had his hand in it have been very exciting. Another really interesting thing is that next year, 2023, another book uh, ghostwritten by J.R. Mo Ringer is going to come out. And the person he's writing that with, uh, you may be familiar with him. His name is Prince Harry. And so Prince Harry's new book will be ghostwritten by Mo Ringer as well. Uh, I, I, ah, that kind of bugged me at some points too, just knowing that, that, uh, Mo Ringer was, was a part of this, uh, because I, 
especially getting into the book, like it's, it's so good. And, and the writing is so good. And I just found myself kind of getting mad, like, okay, is this Phil Knight here? Or is this Mo Ringer? Like what? And, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's a great story. The, the tales being told, I, I just tried to focus on that. Uh, but I did find it hard, especially at the beginning of the book to, uh, to not get a little angry about that. So for reading stats, it's a 383 page book. I read it, it took me eight hours and 30 minutes and over five days. So that was 77 pages per day, which is on the high end for me, which means I enjoyed it a lot. And it was very exciting. And it was hard to put down. So I read this between December 13 and 17. So the rest of this episode, I'll, it'll be two more segments. So the next segment, segment two, I'll cover three different things that were that were interesting to me in this book. And then in segment three, I'll cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from Shoe Dog. Well, if this is a book you think you'd enjoy reading, I would ask you to purchase it from Landmark Booksellers in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm the business manager there, and that's the best way that you can support this podcast is is to buy it from us. If you use the coupon code Books of Titans, that'll give you 10% off the book. Uh, We've actually had a few people come into the store recently, some of you guys who are are podcast listeners, and I I really appreciate that. Uh, But it it is an awesome bookstore. I mean, it it feels and looks like a bookstore, so I, I do hope if you are in town, if you're near the Franklin, Tennessee area, that you'll come and stop by and say hi. Uh, now back to the book. The Here are three things that, that stuck out to me in, in kind of three buckets, and then I'll, I'll go into a little bit in, in each one. And the first was just the, the business, business wisdom that was in this book. Uh, I studied business. I like business. I work in business and I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. And so I, I really enjoyed the, the discussions and in a book like this to, to see a company grow from, from nothing to, to this huge company and to see how things are done. I mean, it's not, it's not a standard way of doing things and a, a business with this amount of success, it's not, it's not like you would read a business book in school of, you know, this is how you do it. And, and, you know, step by step like that, that's not, that's not how businesses start. So to, to actually hear the story and hear the struggles and the triumphs and, you know, how, how did you make it past this? And, and how did you get past this problem? And how did you hire people? How did you find people? All those kind of things. It was just really interesting on, on that front. Uh, one, one thing that, that Phil Knight talked about was just the, the spirit behind the product. And, and he, came, he came to understand very quickly, uh, especially with, with it being a brand, that it, it wasn't just about the product. I mean, you, can, you can't just sit there and tell all the great things about the product. There had to be the spirit behind the product that, that people wanted to be a part of. Uh, the thing that, that, that somehow captured me as a, as a middle schooler, uh, wanting to be like Mike or, or, or be like these other athletes uh, that, that were a part of the Nike world. Uh, another part of this business wisdom was just that, uh, that Phil Knight at the beginning would, would only hire accountants and lawyers. And, and when asked why, he, he said, we needed to hire people with sharp minds. That was our priority. And accountants, accountants and lawyers had at least proved that they could master a difficult subject and pass a big test, end quote. So that was, that was the first, he didn't just go out and hire like MBA students, like general business degrees. He wanted accountants and lawyers specifically. And so that was an interesting thing. And, and then just his reason why. And, and Phil came from an accounting background. He, he had an MBA, but 
I think the emphasis was in accounting. And so his his mind naturally went to accounting. But as an entrepreneur, as, as the person who started Nike, he also had to put on another hat, and that hat had to be that of the entrepreneur. And so the accountant, uh, just naturally, they're, they're looking in the past. They're, they're looking at, at what has happened in, in accounting for that uh, numerically. And so the, 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 the tendency to look back has to be has to be matched with that ability to look forward as the entrepreneur and see potential and to see opportunities and, and that sort of thing. And so it was neat seeing him toe that line, the whole book, but then just also to, to hire accountants, but, but also to keep that entrepreneurial spirit going in the company. Uh, a thing they had that was a big part of the company was just this idea that they had they had to and needed to uh, fail fast. And I, I hear Facebook, that, that's one of their mottos as well, especially with coding and, and trying new things, is, is to fail fast. Uh, but, but that was a big part of, of Nike's culture. And then an, another idea that came up is, you know, after a while, Phil Knight's just kind of putting out fire after fire after fire. And, and there's, there's kind of this comment made that, you know, the problems are always going to be there. And so what are some of the foundational items that, that can be taken care of immediately that will ha- help diminish some of these other problems going forward? And again, just another good thing to think about uh, in, in business. Second overall bucket here that I want to cover is just some great quotes that were in, in the book. So I'll read three different quotes here. And the first is... Uh, is is this one. And this came up quite often. And, and so here's the quote. Don't tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their results. I'll read that one more time. Don't, let, don't tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their results. You've probably heard that one before. Uh, and, and Phil Knight just would keep giving examples of of doing this. Like he people that he had hired, he would he would he would tell them what to do and then just let them do it. And uh, almost excessively in the sense like he, people would be writing him letters on how they're doing stuff and asking him questions and he just wouldn't even respond. So he probably went too far on that. But, but his point over and over in the book was just give people that freedom. And that was a, that was a big part of the company's growth because these people were coming up with ideas and ways of, of trying and, and doing things that, that led to huge success for the company. And if Phil Knight had, had kind of held all that closely, they, he wouldn't have had the success that, that the company did. Uh, next up is, is a quote about books and sports, and I thought this was, was interesting. I decided that this is what sports are, what they can do. Like books, sports give a s- people a sense of having lived other lives, of taking part in other people's victories and defeats. When sports are at their best, the spirit of the fan merges with the spirit of the athlete. And in that converge- convergence, in that transference, is the oneness that the mystics talk about. End quote. So I just like that, that he connected that with, with books. And then the last one here is a quote by, by Bowerman, and he was the co-founder with Phil Knight, and he was also the, the track coach at, uh, at the University of Oregon and, and just a very famous uh, man, and, and, and he, he was a big innovator 
at, at Nike in shoes. And he, even before he started working at Nike, he was always trying to find the best running uh, uh, shoes and, and ways for, for his athletes to compete. And so I, I, you heard me just call him the coach, but that's not what he enjoyed uh, being called. And so let me read this section. He detested being called coach. Given his background, his makeup, he naturally thought of track as a means to an end. He called himself a professor of competitive responses, and his job, as he saw it and often described it, was to get you ready for the struggles and competitions that lay ahead far beyond Oregon, end quote. So again, Oregon is where he was, he, he was coach or, or professor of competitive responses, but I, I just love that, and, and I, I was fortunate to have a coach in, in, um, in high school, a track coach that, that uh, led by example and, and taught me about life. Uh, it wasn't just about running. Uh, he, he taught me that I could go beyond what I thought and, and just, you know, a, t- a ton of these lessons that, that yes, they apply to running, but, but they also help you think about life in, in, in general. And, and that's the true mark of a, of a great coach. And so I, I just liked the way that he put it there and, and wanted to be called a professor of competitive responses. That was great. Last thing here is, uh, that, that came up in the book, uh, this last bucket, is, is just telling the truth. And Nike and the people in Nike were, they, they got this reputation for, for telling the truth. And that helped them win a court case, and it helped them win a client in, in another case. And what was, what was interesting is Phil Knight is very honest in the book, just of, of his levels of dishonesty. And he has one quote where he, uh, as he's being praised for being a truthful person, he, he's, he's sitting there thinking, he, he, he said, I tried not to think about my many half-truths and untruths with Onitsuka, which, which was a, 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 a company he was, he was working with. So even, even amidst this being praised for being truthful, uh, he, he knew that there, were, there was dishonesty along the way. But, but just the bigger point in, in what keeps coming up over and over in the book is Nike would... They would get things over other companies because they were known as being truth tellers and truthful and just truthful in how they they did business. And so, you know, just at, at a base level, it's the right thing to do. But at, at, a, at a different level, it's part of maybe that first bucket I talked about of, of business wisdom of just just be truthful. And, and that will that will help you along along the way. And you'll get that reputation and people will, will be able to trust you and that sort of thing. So it was just neat to see. And, and again, uh, these themes that I, that I mentioned, uh, they show up over and over in the book. So it's not just this popped up one time, but that you see this throughout the book and you see how it helped Nike and you see how that, uh, that, that led to a lot of their success. So th- those are the three things that really stuck out in, in this book to me. And then in the next segment, I'll cover my one thing. Well, running is a big part of my life. Uh, I, I run quite often. I love it. It's uh, it's it's a, a really big part of my life, and I I didn't know the connection to running that Nike had in 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 terms of the founding of the company. And it's really, I mean, without running, uh, you, we probably wouldn't have had Nike. And I I know I'd heard that along the way, but. Even when I think back to Nike and, and I think back to middle school, I think of basketball and Michael Jordan's the first person that comes to mind. Um, it, it's not necessarily running that comes to mind 
for me when I when I think of Nike. And maybe that's just because I, I use other apparel and other shoes and that sort of thing, and uh, in, in not Nikes. But uh, I, I've, it was so cool to read about the the origins of Nike and to see how closely tied it was running. So I want to read a few things here. And, and the first is, is uh, this comes in the introduction. Uh, and this is Phil Knight talking about running. For that matter, few ideas are as crazy as my favorite thing, running. It's hard. It's painful. It's risky. The rewards are few and far from guaranteed. When you run around an oval track or down an empty road, you have no real destination, at least none that can fully justify the effort. The act itself becomes the destination. It's not just that there's no finish line. It's that you define the finish line. Whatever pleasures or gains you derive from the act of running, you must find them within. It's all in how you frame it, how you sell it to yourself. End quote. Phil, Phil keeps talking about uh, believing in running and, and being passionate about running. And he, he compares that to previous jobs that he had before he started Nike. And he, he would be selling encyclopedias or he'd be selling some other product uh, or he was in accounting and he just, he never believed in it. It, it never, it never moved him. But when he started selling sneakers, like it, it was, he, he didn't view it as selling because he loved, he loved running so much that if he could help someone else run better or, or have more comfort in, in their running with, with the shoe, then then that was like a, that was like a joy to him, and so it it was neat to to read about that. You, you also see one of their first, one of the first athletes that that they that they uh, sponsored was Steve Steve Prefontaine, and he's one of the greatest runners of of all time, and he was one of the first runners. He unfortunately died at a very early age, but. Uh, but yeah, that again, that just goes into the origins of Nike and and how closely tied it was to running. Last thing here about running in Nike Nike is just um, uh, one of the, one of the other people who I, I really enjoyed reading about, and this was Johnson. And Johnson was an avid reader, so <laughs> you, all the time throughout the book, you see him like he's in an important meeting and they're, and they're waiting uh, to get into the meeting or something. He he whips out a book and he, he starts reading. So he's always reading. But here's here's what Johnson said. In his heart of hearts, or this is about Johnson. In his heart of hearts, Johnson believed that runners are God's chosen, that running done right in the correct spirit and with the proper form is a mystical exercise, no less than meditation or prayer. And thus he felt called to help runners reach their nirvana, end quote. I brought that up when I read uh, a book. The, it was a book about monks running and I can't, oh, the Marathon Monks of Mount Hie, Hie I think. And uh, I, that was from 2018, my reading list, or 2019, I believe. And I, uh, when I did that episode, I, I, I made the comment, I, it's interesting to me that more monks or more spiritual centers don't have running as a, as a part of it. And, and these marathon monks obviously, obviously did, but, uh, just in, in my running, it, it, it becomes like a very spiritual thing in, in just in the sense of, you know, your, your mind becomes focused, um, you and, and as you're challenging yourself, you're you're going deeper in your mind, and and so there's just there's some spiritual aspect. So I I, I enjoyed that quote uh, that Johnson or that that thing that Johnson thought about about running, uh, in in connected with that as well. So that's my one thing. It's it's uh it kind of came up in different parts, but 
just something that uh, I, I guess I had heard, but just didn't remember. And and so the one thing that I will probably always remember after reading this book is just that deep connection to the founding and the origins of the company with running itself. There were there was one other thing, you know, some, somewhat related in Phil Knight talking about the, his strategy for running a mile. And the mile was the was the event that I did in, in high school. And my strategy of running the mile would be to to go out pretty hard on that first. So there's there's four laps in a mile uh, on the track. So on the first lap, I would I would go out pretty hard and and the adrenaline's kicking in like people are excited. So, you know, running really hard that first lap is is generally it just kind of happens naturally. And then my 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 strategy would be for the second and third lap to just maintain uh a stride. Like just kind of you know, I'm I'm working hard. It, it's it's I'm I'm pushing, but I I I don't want to burn out. So I, I, I just need to kind of maintain a fast speed and just kind of focus on that stride. And then in that last lap, I would kind of the first 200, I would, I would kick it up a little bit. And then the last 200. So the last half of that last lap, I would just pretty much go all out with the, with the final 100 stretch, just, you know, absolute all out. And so that, that was my strategy. So kind of the first and fourth laps were were the the super fast ones and then the second and third were just kind of keep kind trying to keep the stride but he, listen to this approach this this was the strategy uh B- bowerman's strategy for running the mile set a fast pace for the first two laps run the third as hard as you can then triple your speed on the fourth so set a pa- fast pace for the first two laps run the third as hard as you can and then triple your speed on the fourth I just thought that was funny. Uh, and a final thing about running is that Phil Knight would run six miles and, and he would do that almost every night. And he said that that saved his life. Uh, they're, they're just with the tension of the starting the company, that all the things that went wrong, this this nightly run, and I'm sure he missed it uh, on, on, on nights, but like he would just try to run as much as he could. And that six mile run just helped him to, to main, maintain composure, maintain... Um, thoughts and, and, and all that. So that, that was neat to read as well. Uh, one, one thing that was hard to read about in this book was just his troubled relationship with his children. Uh, it, it came up, uh, a, a lot. He had two sons and, um, neither of them wanted to go into sports or have anything to do with sports. And, uh, he just, it, it was, it was hard to read about that. And it's just something I, I see come up a lot with, with, successful people, uh, either the books that I've read for this project, uh, they'll, they'll mention the same thing. Just, uh, you know, there's a, there's, there's difficulty with their relationships with their children. And, and I think a lot of it just has to do with, with the amount of time they're working. Uh, just to recap then, uh, this is, this is a really interesting and, and good book. It goes fast. Uh, it's, it's exciting. And so you can be certain that anything that J.R. Moringer's had his hand in is going to be good. And this is no exception. This is a good business book in, in the sense of just, it, it reminds you on proper ways to do business, uh, new ways of thinking and not proper ways of doing business in the sense of like going to business school and here, you know, here's how you, how, how you do this, but just, more like methods of thinking and ways of thinking if you're if you're starting a company it makes you realize how close to the edge things were for for Nike for most of the time and i think that's just a good reminder that yeah we see the success now but it was a big struggle for for a long time
one really interesting thing is that the Nike and Apple stocks were released in the same week. So boy, if, if you had invested in those, that would have been awesome. And I need to close out this episode with a thank you. And that is a thank you to Jennifer Yu, who, who gifted this book to me. Uh, when I was purchasing books for my to the, for this year's reading list, I had a link to my Amazon wish list, and uh, some people went on there and purchased books, and Jennifer did this book. So thank you, Jennifer. That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and thank you for listening. If you would like to email me, if you've read this book and, and uh, you, you would like to share what you got out of it, I would love to hear that. So you can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. You can also go to, to Books of Titans website. It's a lot of resources there to help you choose books, uh, create your own reading list, that sort of thing. Remember, you can also buy this book from Landmark Booksellers, and I'll link to that in the show notes. You can use the, the coupon code Books of Titans for 10% off. I'll be back in a week or two to discuss another book or series from this year's reading list. And also, the actually the next episode may be where I just, uh, I do this at the end of each year, I just tack all 52 books that I read for the year on my desk. I pick them up in order, one by one, and without consulting any notes, I try to remember the one thing that stuck with me in each book. So if you're, if you're looking for some ideas and books to read in the new year, that's always a really fun episode and, and you get to hear about 52 different books and the thing that is still in my mind after having read those books. So that, that episode will be coming up. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.